0: You know, I think that First Baptist Church is a, a church where we welcome, we try to welcome everybody. We should. and you know, I think we should welcome everybody from NASCAR dads to soccer moms to latte sippers and everybody in between. We, uh, we welcome them here, uh, Republican, Democrat, black, white, yellow. Uh, we welcome them here, single, married, gay, straight. You are welcome here. Uh, faithful people are welcome. Doubters are welcome. But whatever spiritual condition upon arrival that you find yourself, I want you to know that God loves you too much and God loves me too much to leave us that way. Uh, and I do know that if the church says that everyone is welcome, then we, we have to be ready to welcome everyone over the last four weeks we've really talked about the church we talked about the church universal the invisible uh, catholic church not roman catholic church but catholic church which just means universal the church that jesus is building uh... we found out that that church is connected to this church made up of you and me people made up of us universal church is the bride of christ it's made up of all the saints from past present future it's this thing that that we can just almost bear, uh, we can barely begin to understand the concept of that universal church, the church, uh, capital C church. But as a born-again believer, on a spiritual level, you are the physical manifestation of the church that Jesus is building, whether you're here in this building or not. You are the church represented when you go to Walmart. You're the church whenever you're in rosiers. You are the church if you're at, the, at uh, mental health. You're at the church. You're the church when you're at Menard or Gilster Mary Lee or wherever it is you work. You're, at the, you're the church at home. You're the church at Mile 13 on the Caskey. You are, you're the church on uh, hole number nine at Chester Country Club. You're the church wherever you're at. You as an individual. So when we say the universal church is everywhere, you could be found in the, in the, the darkest bush of Australia all by yourself. That's where the church is. Because you are a part of that universal church. Uh, In John, no, yep, John chapter 17, there's something that's called the priestly prayer. One of the most beautiful passages in scripture. Jesus is praying for the 12 disciples because he's getting ready to go to the cross. He's getting ready to die. He's getting ready to be buried, resurrected, ascended back into heaven. So he prays for the 12 disciples. But then he switches gears in the middle of the prayer and begins to pray for people who are going to be saved because of their testimony. And if you've ever doubted if Jesus is real, why do you think you're here today? If that would not have happened, we would not be here. Because we are saved because of what those guys told us that Jesus told them 2,000 years ago. In a little town in the Middle East. Y'all, this is what Jesus prayed for you and me. I don't ask for my 12 disciples only, Father. But I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you. That's me. That's us. So Jesus is literally praying for the bride, the church that's going to come afterwards as we're sitting in this room today. That they may be one just as you, Father, uh, are in me and I in you. That that church, my believers, my family, my, my, my brothers and sisters, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. He's saying the church has a responsibility. The people who come after my disciples who say yes to me, they have a responsibility to let the world know that I'm real. To let the world know that I am who I said I was. Look in verse 23. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Church, there was a prayer that Jesus prayed for you and I that we would be one. Now the local gathering, this church is also, we are, this church first baptist church we are also the local physical manifestation of the universal church the church that jesus is building we are that franchise at 719 state street that is who we are and we are connected into the bigger church and the bigger church is praise god connected in to us the truth of the matter is there's no separating you from the church even if you left this church this little c church you are still connected to the capital c church you can't leave that church. you're still in it. Uh, there's no separating you from the church and there's no separating the church from you. Uh, they're indivisible. So if that's the case then how how do we how do we act if we're the church? What do we do if we're the church? What does that look like? What's that what's the tactile, uh, Approach that. What I mean, really, what's it look like? The Apostle Paul really makes it clear in two different ways because he tells us how to be the church before the world and how to be the church in the church. Um, this is in, uh, I think that's got to be in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 6. So I'm going to read this to you. Uh, this is the world part. He says, this is how the church acts like the world. I'm sorry, this is how the church acts like the church before the world. Brothers and sisters, so we know he's talking to the church. He's talking to the Roman church. But guess what? Today he's talking to First Baptist Church. So, brothers and sisters at CFBC, uh, CFBC, since God has shown us great mercy because we've been saved, because we've denied ourselves, we have uh, took up our cross in submission to the kingdom of God, we're following Jesus into the will of God because we are saved. Not because of anything we did, but because of the mercy of God. Because of God's great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice to God. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing to Him, which is the spiritual way you worship. Do not change yourselves to be like the people of this world. Be different than them. But be changed by a new way of thinking. Change your mind. Change the way you you understand things. Then you'll be able to decide what God wants for you. Because it's not about what you want for you, but it's what God wants for you. You will know what's good, and you'll know what's pleasing to him, and you're going to be able to do it, and that's what's perfect. As the church before the world, we we refuse to buy into their way of thinking. Look at the text. We refuse to buy into their way of thinking. We refuse to buy into the way they they look at things because we're different. Uh, The world has a way of looking at gender. So do you as a Christian. The world has a way of looking at marriage. So do you as a Christian. The world has a way of looking at gender identity. So do you as a Christian. The world has a way of looking at what a family is. Uh, So do you as a Christian because your opinion, your view, your values are um, extrapolated, distilled from the word of God. Living your faith out loud means saying no to the things God says no to and yes to the things that God has said yes to That's the discipleship process. That's what it means to be listening to a message. That's what it means to come to a connect group That's what it means to be plugged into a Bible study. That's what it means This is how this is part of the discipleship process the denying of the self carrying your cross following Jesus This is where we really decide I am a Christian I believe the Word of God and the Word of God is going to determine and dictate the direction that I take my life look in verse 3 because uh, now what paul's doing he's shifting gears a little bit he's saying okay this is how the church operates in the world you're different but then he says, this is how you operate as the church in the church. He says, because God has given me, Paul, a special gift. I have something to say to every one of you. He's the preacher. So he's speaking revelation. He's speaking correction. He's speaking this unto them. Do not think that you're better than anyone else. Again, speaking to the church. Don't think that you're better than you are. There's a spirit of humility. You must decide what you really are by the amount of faith God has given you. God has given every single one of us faith. Now, I think there is a gift of faith. I think some people can have faith, uh, who have faith uh, more than other people. But God has given all of us faith. We're going to have to decide what we do with what God has given us. What do we do with what God has placed within our spirit within the church? Uh, the truth is, each one of uh, verse 4, each one of us has a body with many parts, and these parts all have different uses. Again, we're talking about how do we look like the church in the church. And what Paul is saying is we're in this together. Many parts make up this church. If the hand were made exactly like the foot, can you imagine eating soup with a hand shaped like a foot? That would be bad or bad enough. You're eating soup. Okay. Uh, but, but now you got to hold that spoon in your foot. That doesn't work. I don't want that. That doesn't look good. Uh, if the eye could smell, if, if all the eye could do was smell and not see, that's going to be weird. Every body part on your body has a specific job and they all work together. They all work, uh, in cooperation, uh, don't ask me which, and if you would ask me, you know, which part of the body, Mike, could you do without? I don't want to do without any of them. I came in here with what, I came into this world with what I have. I'm beyond, I'd like to leave this world with all my parts. I don't, I don't want to lose anything in my body. I don't want to lose anything uh, with, with that. Uh, I, I don't want to lose them. I need them all. And church, when we're talking about the community of CFBC, we need every single one of you. I need you, you need me, and we're in this together. I need you, you need me, and we're in this together. All the many parts rely on each other. Verse 5, in the same way, we are many. But in Christ, we are all one body. Each one is a part of that body, and each part belongs to all the other parts. We all have different gifts. Church, say different gifts. Each of which came by the grace God gave us. Uh, by this time in the pandemic or whatever, we all have either uh, had COVID infection or we know lots of, how many of you know somebody who died of COVID? Okay. What happens with COVID is in the body, as you get the virus, two main things really kind of begin to be attacked. You have uh, myocarditis in the heart and then you have respiratory uh, infection and the lungs can't do their job. And the vessels get constricted, making the the heart pump harder to get the blood through the the lungs and through the organs and the extremities. They're not getting oxygen. So what begins to happen is uh, the patient, the patient begins to fill up with water and that's where you get the swelling of the legs, the swelling of the hands, and things like that. The body just begins to, to fail, primarily because of the myocarditis and the respiratory, uh, the respiratory failure. Because those two organs have been compromised, it shoots an arrow all the way down the line for the rest of the body. And the rest of the organs and the systems begin to fail. Trying to ignore what you do in this body is not limited to just you because the Bible says we are a body with many parts. If you're not doing what God has called you to do or placed you here to do, do you understand that you're messing up the whole thing? Everybody else feels it. Everybody else is affected by it. And that's not because it's the way Mike set up the church. You, I've, you've read the text You've read the text you're smart people this is what mr spurgeon says he says so don't compare yourselves among yourselves for if you're the body of christ you are each one needful oh brother i can't do anything yeah you can we need you and the peculiarity which you possess and the peculiarity which your brother possesses they all have their place in the body corporate that means in the church in the local congregation And if that's the case, I love what C.A. Spurgeon says here. He says, then that must be precious in the sight of God. God sees the church as precious. He sees the church, every single one of us, as precious as we rely and we need one another and we depend upon another. Church, God wants his church to have all the parts of the body together. Romans 12, verse 6 through 8. We all have different gifts, each of which came from the grace of God, uh, of the grace God gave us. Listen to these next words. The person who has the gift of prophecy should use that gift with agreement in the faith. Anyone who has the gift of serving, what should they do? Anyone who has the gift of teaching, what should they do? Whoever has the gift of encouraging others should do what? Basically, whatever your gift is, do the gift. Whoever has the gift of giving to others should give freely. Anyone who has the gift of being a leader should try the best that he or she possibly can. Whoever has the gift of showing mercy to others should do it with joy. So if your gift is to be an encourager, then encourage. If your gift is to serve, then serve. If your gift is to give, then give. If your gift is to teach, then teach. But here's the thing. If your gift is encouraging, don't act like you can teach. If your gift is serving, don't act like your gift is giving. Literally, what Paul is saying is if encouraging your, your gift, if, if encouraging is your, is your gift, then encourage. If serving is your gift, then serve. You know what Paul is telling the early church? Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. If this is the gift you've been given, that's what you do. If that's the gift that God has decided to give you, that's what you have. Now, I'm not saying you can't try to do other things, but if you try to do other things and it's not any good, that's not your spiritual gift. So if your work is serviced, I mean, you can try to preach if you want to, but if you can't do it, then realize that that's not your gift. Keep to your own work. Stay in your own lane of giftedness and nobody has them all. If you're not the pastor, then stop acting like the pastor. If you're not a connect group leader, then stop acting like your connect group leader. If you're not the hospitality person out there, then, then, then you, know, you know, maybe you can't smile. Maybe that's why you're not serving coffee. But if that's, not, if that's not your bang zone, then we've got another place for you. Literally, what Paul is saying is stay in your own lane because nobody has all the gifts. Because when ears start telling eyes how to see and hands start telling feet how to walk, Brothers and sisters in the church get offended. They get their feelings hurt. You start telling Jama that her coffee's cold and it tastes like dirt. Really? That's her job. That's her ministry. Nobody likes to be told. Nobody likes to be told by somebody in another lane what they're doing wrong. Most of the time, when people get their feelings hurt, it's little offenses. Uh, somebody said the wrong thing. Somebody looked at me wrong. Somebody didn't wave at me. Somebody didn't greet me. Somebody didn't do this, blah, 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 But most, most of the time, they're small things. But sometimes these things that hurt us in church, they can get gnarly. They can get ugly. They can fester. And they're, they're not always just words. <sighs> now, when we get hurt, when we get offended, when we get abused in our, our faith family, our local gathering, the the offense we have, it might be legit, it might be, uh, I don't know what the opposite of le- non-legit, illegit, I don't know. Sometimes it's real, sometimes it's not. Um, but regardless, it's real to you. Your hurt's real to you. Um, and it gets real tempting that when you're hurt, it gets real tempting to walk away from the family. It gets real tempted to walk. You get real tempted to walk away from. Your, your house of faith, and that's the case whether you're in leadership or whether you're the dude trying to figure out how to serve an hour a month. When you get hurt in church, there's, there's oftentimes a temptation to, to walk away, and people do it. The Apostle Paul wrote in the next verse of that Romans 12 passage, he says, your love must be real hate what's evil, and hold on to what's good. Basically, those eight, nine words, say no to the same things God says no to and say yes to the things God says yes to. Verse 10 is hardcore. Love each other like what? Love each other like brothers and sisters. Where? In the church. I'm not talking about the brothers and sisters that you see on... uh, I'm not talking about the brothers and sisters that you see pulling each other's eyes out and beating each other. Maybe maybe the way you get along with your brother and sister in your family. When Jesus is telling us about being brothers and sisters, when the word of God is telling us about brothers and sisters, it is the best possible situation. But even in a situation where you've got brothers and sisters, families still hurt each other. Still fight. Give each other more honor than you want for yourselves. Church, do you know one family? Do you know one family where everybody gets along all the time? Do you know one family that just everything always looks like a Rockwell Norman, a Norman Rockwell painting? I don't. I don't. And the crazy thing is, y'all tell me everything that's going on in your family. So I've got 25 of you and I'm praying for. It's so a man, please let nobody get killed on Thanksgiving this year over at that old boy's house. Okay? You know you're trash. I know everybody else is trash. Trust me. No family gets along all the time. And when we, when we don't get the love or the respect that we should, or we don't get the love or respect that we think we need, we get our feelings hurt. And the thing is, everybody is susceptible to be offended at the church. Everybody in this room can get their feelings hurt. Everybody in this room can, can get their feathers ruffled. Everybody in this room can, be, uh, can is susceptible to feeling like they're less valuable, to God, less valuable to God because they didn't do this or because they did that. 1999, 71% of the population of America said that they were a member of a church, attended a church, uh, church, mosque, synagogue, or temple. of the population tied into a religious body. 23 years later, in in 2022, that number has fallen to below 50%. In 20 years. There's all kinds of insight on on why the the such a rapid decline now it's been declining for a long time but it's sort of like it put on the afterburners It kind of put on the afterburners in 99 just tanking there's all kinds of things but the thing i want to hit on right now is this some people leave church because they got their hurt their feelings hurt they got wounded they got offended Uh, and what that usually looks like it usually they're not here one sunday and then it doesn't look like they're here one sunday and then they're gone but it's, it's usually a gradual thing. Usually the first thing that people stop doing is giving. Second thing they start doing is they stop serving. You know, I don't want to do that ministry anymore, take my name off the schedule, take my name off the list, things like that. Uh, third thing that happens is their attendance gets really, really wonky. It goes from maybe three times a month down to one. And before you know it, they're gone. And the gradual exodus was so slow it might be three or four months before you wear that, and that's the way they planned it. Typically, their exit was silent. And the thing is, the person that hurt them might have been one person or two persons, uh, two people. But when we are a community, and we are the Churiose Ecclesia, we are the we are the the gathering that belongs to God. We are the Quineenega. We are the uh, fellowship. We are the family of faith. It only takes you being mad at a few people, and this is what begins to happen. You begin to blame everybody. Everybody in that church is mean. Everybody in that church is rude. Everybody in that church is arrogant. Everybody in that church is a Pharisee. Everybody in that church is a legalist. They're not. That's not the case at all. But hurt people, they don't see things well, they don't see things correctly. They're hurt. And so they begin to apply that hurt to the whole congregation because we are a community. And they associate the hurt with the whole community. Or maybe they associate the hurt with the whole denomination. Or maybe religion altogether. Mike, what's that sound like? I'll tell you exactly what that sounds like. My, uh, my mom and dad, the Baptist church wouldn't let my mom and dad get married in their church. So I'm never going back to a Baptist church. I've heard that one. I'll tell you what else it sounds like. She was rude to me, or she didn't let me do this or that. So I'm not going back. I'm not stepping foot in that church. Now, usually that happens because somebody didn't stay in their lane. You have somebody with a gifting that's trying to tell somebody else how to do their job. Lots of times that's what happens. The church is a powerful thing, church. And the reason why we get hurt in church is because people are just being people. That's who we are. But the difference about the people in the church and the people outside the church is that we understand that we are supposed to love one another like brothers and sisters. We understand that we can walk hand in hand without seeing eye to eye. But sometimes, man, there's hurts that happens in church that are just more than... You know, stink eyes and saying the wrong thing. Sometimes that abuse, sometimes that hurt and abuse looks like a sexual abuse in the church, or a physical abuse in the church, or psychological abuse, or spiritual manipulation. And the church is a crazy institution. Um, and, and Ms. In Ms. Pem's and my life, the church has kind of been the center of all the great things that's happened in our life. We've celebrated with people, graduations and, and marriages and baptisms and uh, all, all kinds of things. The church is there for you during the, the best parts of your life. And the, and the church is there for you when your life is going down the, the toilet. Man, this church is there for you when you need it. Your, your, your marriage is on the rocks or your kids aren't talking to you. Or the boss is being a jerk to you at work or you're just going through a dry season. You run to that church because you realize, man, this is where I'm fed and this is where I'm encouraged. There's great power in the church. And because that power is in the church, it's real. We also have a great power to hurt people. You can get hurt in church. And the thing is, typically, the more you serve, the more chance and the more likelihood that you have the possibility to be hurt. Very few of you are going to be offended on a Sunday morning when your service is is putting 1030 to 1130 at CFBC. Not gonna hold going to offend you. But you start serving with people and laboring beside people and ministering beside beside people, I'm sorry if if you've been hurt in church, but if you've never been uh, hurt in church, I'm sorry, but you probably will be. I'm going to tell you why. Because we're busted people. We're in the process of being sanctified. We're we're in the process of being healed, healed, and we're not there yet. If you've been hurt, I'm sorry. And if it's my fault, I'm doubly sorry. Understanding the cause of your hurt, though, is what's going to help you avoid an aversion to church or help you stop running away from church. Understand the cause of why you're in pain. Why do you associate the church with your hurt? If your hurt involves a physical or sexual or psychological or spiritual manipulation to you or to your family member, that's a traumatic injury. It's going to be hard to overcome that because that stuff it shouldn't go on in church. So, the first thing I want to tell you is that if you've had a traumatic injury like that at this church or another church, don't deal with those situations by yourselves. Those are reportable incidents. Those are things that, 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 that should not ever happen within the family of God. If that situation uh, occurs, tell somebody in leadership. If you don't want to tell me, tell Pam, tell Don, tell, tell Linda, tell somebody. In the case of a reportable incident, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about underwear stuff alert the appropriate authorities inside and outside the church but listen to me if there's ever sexual abuse here do not let this church or anybody in this church talk you out of reporting it report it this should be a safe place and we want it to be a safe place so if that's going on if it ever goes on 10 years from now 10 minutes from now whatever that's the that's the rule church I want you to remember this the church that Jesus is building is fine. The church that Jesus is building with you and me, the universal church, there's not a problem there. People get along in that church. There's no disruptions in that church. There's no division in that church. It's a unified church. The church we're in right now is imperfect. You know why? Because we're in it. We're in it, and we're all flawed. We're all capable of doing. We're all capable of doing some pretty rotten bad stuff. So what about overcoming the aversion to going to church? What about overcoming the hurt you got at church that doesn't involve the stuff that makes the news, that doesn't involve underwear, that doesn't involve inappropriate ch- uh, touch? What, how do you overcome that stuff because somebody gave you the stink eye or somebody let, didn't let you do a ministry or somebody uh, critiqued your ministry or how you perform in your ministry? How do you get beyond that? Because that, for most of us, that's, that's where it's real, real. People get burned in the church sometimes, and they leave severely wounded. And the first thing we must do is, is humbly discover the cause. What was the cause of the aversion or the hurt? We've been hurt by people. We've been told No. And instead of having just an issue with one or two brothers and sisters, we start focusing the hurt on the whole group. And this is what it sounds like. The people down at the Baptist church are unfriendly people. They're a bunch of judgmental people, a bunch of hypocrites. Well, yeah, we got some hypocrites, and we've got some judgmental people, and yeah, we got a few stinkers. But most of you people are good people. You love people. But can I tell you something? All those other people are not very of the church, too. Oh. we've been hurt or we've been told no by leadership. A situation didn't go the way we thought it should. So what we do is we respond emotionally to that action or we respond emotionally to that, that hurt. So instead of having an issue with just two or three brothers and sisters, now we have a problem with the whole church because that's what we do. Those people down there are hypocrites or, or unfriendly. Church, blaming the whole batch of apples because of a few bad apples will always lead to bitterness if you were hurt here, maybe it was us, maybe it was you. I'm sorry. And maybe you got hurt here so bad that, that you're gone. You left CFBC. Uh, left a bad taste in your mouth. And maybe, maybe I just need to tell you this. Don't let the bad experience you had at CFBC sour your view on all churches. As the Osmonds taught us, One bad apple, don't spoil the whole batch girl. Just because you had an unpleasant experience at CFBC, or maybe it was the United Methodist Church, or maybe it was Grace, or maybe it was St. John's, or maybe it was St. Mary's. Maybe it was Family Worship Center. Maybe it was at Ebenezer. Maybe it was the first Baptist Settles Grove. It doesn't, doesn't matter. I want you to know that maybe that wasn't the church for you. Maybe this isn't the church for you, but there is a church for you out there. One bad experience doesn't ruin the whole thing from this point on down. You may have had a bad experience, but not all churches are going to be dangerous to you or toxic or hazardous. Try somewhere else. And it can be hard because when there's people attached to your heart, for some, for some of you, you know, you, you've had a bad experience or you, you've been offended or whatever, and you don't want to leave the church and you just need to stay there. You might need to, you might need to do some, some biblical conflict resolution, and this is hard stuff, but I want to show it to you. It's in the book of Matthew chapter uh, 18. If your fellow brother, your fellow believer sins against you, man, go and tell him. Uh, go and tell him. Make sure you put it on Facebook and tell everybody what he did wrong. No. You don't tell everybody. In fact, you keep your mouth shut. You go to that person in private. You help that person. If he listens to you, you've helped that person to be your brother and sister again. Again, man, there's this whole familial relationship. In the church, we're brothers and sisters. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of the master. But if he refuses to listen, go to him again this time. Take a couple guys from the church with you, or a couple gals from the church with you. Every case be, uh, must be proved by two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, then tell the what? Let's get more people involved because our, our, our aim here is to have a fellowship, have a family. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen to the church, then treat him like a... Person who does not believe in God, or like a tax collector, church. How do you? How do we, as a church, treat people who don't believe in God, or people who are unscrupulous? Uh, how do? How do we act? How are we supposed to act towards them? Hello. We love them. We love them. Also, I tell you that if two, or two, uh, two of you on earth agree about something and pray about it, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. This is, the true, this is true because if two or three people come together in my name, what a beautiful church, I am there with them. This is a church for NASCAR dads, soccer moms, Republicans, Democrats, single, married, gay, straight. And God loves us too much to leave us in the spiritual condition. We were in when we arrived. He wants to make us different. Do you all believe, is is that true? Should we welcome everybody? Got a question for you. If somebody who had gender identity issues, a man came in dressed as a woman, how are you going to respond? How are you going to act? Same-sex female couple come to this church. How do you react? Oh, Mike, I liked it a lot better when you said everybody was welcome. Now you're asking me how I'm going to do it. Can I tell you something? Every single one of us needs a family of faith. And we're going to have to decide if we're going to be a biblical church who welcomes everybody, who knows that everybody's flawed, who knows that everybody's sin, and not everybody's sin looks like ours. There's all kinds of ways to get hurt in church. Here's another way. If it's a biblical truth that caused you pain, you don't have to forgive anybody. You just need to accept what the Bible says. Mike, what's that? What do you mean by that? I'll tell you exactly what I mean by that. I've made people mad before by preaching what the scripture says about sexual identity. I've preached what the Bible says about marriage. I've preached what the Bible said about human sexuality. I've preached what the Bible says about life. Remarriage, gender roles. Respect and honor for your parents. I preach a message like that and it comes straight from the Word of God. I'm real bad about that. And they hear the message and they leave angry because of what I preached. There's nothing I can do to change the Bible, there's nothing I can do to change what God's Word says. And as Christians, if we say no to the things God says no to, and yes to the things God says yes to, if the problem is what the Bible—if the problem is that the Bible has made you mad, that's not the church's fault. That's not the church's problem. That's your problem. Did you hurt? Did your experience cause you pain, shame, betrayal? Maybe you've, maybe you've been felt, maybe you've been made to feel less valuable because maybe you don't serve as much as somebody else, or maybe you have been made to feel less valuable to God because you don't give. Then you get hurt. And if that's the case, man, I'm I'm sorry. That never meant to. Ha- I never meant that to happen here. And it should have never happened here. But it's one of those things that if it happens to you, then you can develop an aversion to church. You can develop an aversion to a family of faith. You can start feeling that Christians are phony, that church is for suckers, it's a scam. If that's the case, then I want you to look at God's take on the matter. If you're hating a brother or sister in church, chances are you've bought into a lie from the devil. If you hate people in your church, chances are you've you've bought into a lie. That the enemy has spoken from the pits of hell. Because the Bible tells us we love each other. We get along. We put more worth on each other than we do ourselves. Now here's the thing. Christians can be judgy. They can be self-righteous. Because Christians are sinful. We are fallen people. We are not perfect. and But that's not who God is. That's not who God, is. it's who we are, but it's not who God is. It's not God's will for His people to be that way, but because we're sinful and we're broken and we're in the process of being sanctified and healed, sometimes we still act like we're lost. The secret reason why there's so much hurt in the church, I believe, is because there's a misunderstanding of grace. Man, we sing about amazing grace and we think amazing grace is incredible because it saved us, it redeemed us, it took away our sins. We were reprobates, fallen humanity. We were sinners. But thank God for His amazing grace. We're no longer lost. We're no longer in chains. We're no longer prisoned, uh, prisoned with sin. We, we understand grace. And when we receive grace, church, we look at everybody else and we call them sinners. Don't you forget where you were. Don't you forget what grace did for you. Grace is what, (laughs) yeah, just say it, Mike. Grace is what allows us to welcome people who are different than us or love God in a different way than you do to this church. It's grace that lets you see beyond other people's faults. It's grace that allows you to see beyond other people's sin because you know what you've been forgiven of. That's grace is what will allow us to love people who come through that door that aren't dressed right. Grace is what allows us to love people who come through that door. Whose favorite sins a different flavor than yours and mine. The whole world knows what the church is against, but daggamma, they don't know what we're for. And we love them. How can we be angry at the victim of the enemy? If you as a believer have or you're beginning to develop an aversion or a distaste for the church, maybe you're considering dropping out. I want you to know that as a Christian, you will always be a part of the church that Jesus is building. You can't ever really get away. Romans 12, 5. In the same way, we are many, but in Christ we are all one body. Each one is a part of that body, and each one belongs to all the other parts. You are the church if you're a believer. You are the church if you're a believer. Now, people can say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. You can't. It's impossible. You, when you said yes to him in a very real way, and I'm going to oversimplify this because I'm not very smart. When you said yes to Jesus, your name went on the church membership roll in heaven. oh preacher, I've never heard of that. Okay, Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven. I'll set it up for you. Uh, John the Revelator has just been shown the final scenes of the world. The old world, the old earth, has passed away. Heaven's earth passed away and a new heaven's coming down. New Jerusalem's coming down. uh, Revelation 21, 27. But nothing unclean will ever enter into the new Jerusalem on the new earth, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those names who are written in what? You better hope your name's on that book somewhere. You better hope. And again, I'm oversimplifying this, but... Because I'm simple. That's a, that's a membership role. That is a role. Very similar to the way churches keep track of the people who come to their church. A membership role. But church, this is a membership role for eternal life. So what's that have to do with the church, Brother Mike? Revelation 21.9, same chapter, so you know I'm not doing a bait and switch on you. This is in the same chapter. It says this. uh, Then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of seven last troubles came to me saying, Hey, John, come with me. I want to show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Preacher, I didn't know that Jesus had a bride. Who's the lucky lady? Glad you asked. The book of Ephesians chapter 5. All I'm doing right now is cross-referencing and help you interpret the Scripture. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved His his wife, the church, gave Himself for. Brother Mike, you added that word. To make it belong to God, Christ used the word to make the church clean by washing it white. He died so that He could give the church to Himself like a bride. An ugly bride? Nope. Dude's made her clean. Made her perfect, made her whole, because the church Jesus is building is perfect. You are the bride, man. You're the bride. You're the church. How can you hate Jesus and hate his church? You tell me how that works out. Tell me how that goes. I could be oversimplifying, but it wouldn't be the first time. When you believe and you repented, your name was put in the Lamb's Book of Life. It is a book for those who have eternal life. It's my thought that that looks an awful, lot like, uh, an awful lot like what we call a church membership. I want you to remember something, church. We really can't separate the visible church from the invisible church, the universal church from the local church. They are intrinsically, symbiotically connected. Preacher, what do you mean by that? Well... First Corinthians twelve, glad you asked. The human body has many parts. The foot might say, Because I am not the hand, I am not part of the body, but saying this would not stop the foot from being part of the body. What Paul is saying there is this, is this the foot can't leave the the foot can't leave the body even if it wanted to, because it's a part of the body. Church, I'm not gonna make this real hard for you. If you apply that same logic with you and the church, you can't leave the church. now as a Christian. You can leave this church. But you can't leave His church. Even if we wanted to leave the church, we can't. Why? Uh, Why would we leave? Why would we want to leave indefinitely? Why would would we want our name off the membership roll of heaven? Why? Because somebody hurt my feelings. Man. Why would we leave the church that Jesus loves? I'm not talking about CFBC. I'm just saying church in general. You know, the church isn't just something that a Christian can decide to ignore. It's not something that, "Eh, if I go, I go. If I don't, I don't. Man, that's whack. That's not even biblical. It's important. Church is important to the believer as his or her hand is to their body. Our main mission as a church is to go out and to share the good news. That's not our only mission. We also have a mission of community, being a fellowship, the ecclesia, the gathering. Uh, that's the reason why That's why. That's why we intentionally ca- categorize this not as the worship service but as the worship gathering. It's actually very biblical. But we exist to have a community, a koinonia, a unity, a community, a family, relationships, brothers and sisters. In this community is where you serve. It's where you worship. It's where you give. It's where you grow in your faith. And it's where we do it together. And sometimes things can get crunchy. Sometimes things can get rough. And it usually doesn't involve underwear. It usually involves just people being people. If I can have every, hand, every eye closed. Y'all, this is probably one of the weirdest messages I've, I've, I've prepared in 30 years of ministry. And I will tell you this, this sermon is not for you. as much as it is for me it's not something that's for a few people it's for all of us you know my friend maybe you're a, you're a family member in this church maybe you've been injured maybe you've been wounded And it could be real. It may not be real. If it's real to you, it's real. I can't tell you you're not hurt. You can't tell me I'm not hurt. We get it. But at the end of the day, our goal is to walk out of here hand in hand. Maybe you've been injured. Maybe you've been wounded. And you know there's something in your spirit that's just been hurt. There's something in your spirit uh, that's unsettled. And you hate feeling that way, man. You you hate feeling that. And today, man, you've heard some truth. You've heard some truth that that you may not like. You've heard some truth today with things you may not like. But just ask yourself this. did, Did Pastor Mike show me the text? Did he show me what the scripture said? Show me what the Word of God said. If I did, I've done my job. What you have to do now is decide to do with what the what God has given you the faith to do. You're gonna to have to decide that. I'd like to ask you to stand at your feet with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. This morning, I want to open up the invitation to you. I want to give you a time to pray, to deal with brokenness, to deal with woundedness, to deal with injuries that have that have happened to church you were hurt you were offended you had your feelings uh, you, you had your, your your feelings bruised you had something just happened that might have happened 20 years ago but the cells of that hurt are still there today I'm to offer you an invitation to come forward and just pray at this altar and say God I'm letting all that trash go some of you need to ask for forgiveness because you've been thinking about walking away from the church You're dealing with this an aversion to the church. Some of you bought into a a, a false context because of a lie of the enemy. You're calling the truth of God's word a lie. You refuse to believe it. You can get mad all you want. It doesn't change the truth. So you don't need to forgive anybody. You just need to accept the truth. And that's not the church's problem. That's an individual issue. But the invitation's for you. would you come forward and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to get rid of my idea of what church is or was or supposed to be. I'm going to start following the idea of what church is according to you. How you set it up to be. Not the way that Southern Baptist did, but the way Jesus did. Not the way that the Missouri Synod did, but the way Jesus did. Not the way that Rome did it, but the way Jesus did it. And today if you're ready to get things right with God in the context of you and your spiritual family I want to give you this opportunity to just let some things put some things on the line with God say God I'm sorry I made a mountain out of a molehill I responded inappropriately I said something I shouldn't I took something too seriously I spoke out of turn I got out of my lane whatever Whatever is between you and God. Almighty God, as we go into this invitation, I pray your sweet Holy Spirit would settle down upon this this room that you would call those that you need to call. Do business with those who who are willing to do business with you in the name of Jesus. And it's in Christ's name. And amen. What are we going to sing? The invitation is open. Would you come? Come to the altar.
1: Oh, come to the altar.
0: Down every eye closed. Pam, you continue to play, please. I cannot believe for one second. I cannot believe for one second. The one person coming forward is the only result of this. we're going to sing again but I want you to understand something God's calling you to be the best part of this church that you can possibly be or if it's not this church he's calling you to another church to be the best you that you can possibly be in that church for the kingdom of God this church for the kingdom. Today, if you're going to double down with ministry. Today, you're going to double down with your spiritual gifts. You're going to serve. You're ready to go into the next phase of your walk with the king. Leaving the past, habits, hurts, and hang-ups in the past, and you're walking forward into your new anointing. You're walking forward with fresh revelation. Not new revelation. This revelation's been in the Bible since the very beginning. But today, you're seeing it with fresh eyes and fresh hearts. how we act as a church before the world, and how we act as a church before brothers and sisters. Today, if there's a new leash on your church life, a new leash on who you are in this body, I'm going to give you one more opportunity. You confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. You deny me before men, I will deny you. If you're making a decision today, make a move. Lord God, as we go into this extended invitation, if I'm reading the room wrong, Lord, if I'm reading the room wrong, if I'm reading your spirit wrong, forgive me. Lord, if you want to set people free, would you do it right now? Would you let the people respond with open? In Jesus' name we pray. Let's sing by the praise.
1: Oh, come to the altar. Father's arms are open wide. His arms are open wide. forgiveness